Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to We Want Winners, our first show in a couple weeks since the Super Bowl. I think that's kind of going to be our schedule is unless something really happens, uh, we'll probably go every couple weeks. Though when it comes to the draft, I'm sure we'll we'll figure something out as, as we get closer to the draft. But Rod, how you doing, man? I am doing great. Um, it's kind of nice having kind of a, a break here. Um, although today I was out at my nephew is like a pretty high level football player and they were having a seven on seven tournament. My brother tells me, Hey, come on out. I don't know what I was expecting, but that was crazy. <laughs> Where does he play? Like, let's, let's give him a shout out. Um, he plays at Bishop Gorman high school here in Las Vegas. Um, they're one of the best teams in the country. Um, he's a linebacker. Um, but there were like 170 teams out there at this seven on seven tournament. And wow. it was, it was just, it was madness. And man, some of these kids are talented. There was some quarterbacks <laughs> out there. Those dudes were slinging it. Um, just Throw, throwing big, the ball a little bit better than some of those XFL quarterbacks oh, I saw. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, and these big kids, I mean, <laughs> calling them kids. I mean, these are men. I mean, yeah. they, they, it was just, it's ridiculous. You know, amateur sports these days are just, I mean, it's big business. It, yeah. It, it really is. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Bishop Gorman. And, yeah, they, um, yeah, it was it was impressive. That whole scene out there was nice. But I'm glad to be back here with you guys. Hey, so wait, just one more thing uh, on your, uh, your nephew. Uh, so what year is he? He is a sophomore. Oh, oh wow! So he's still young. Yeah, he's real young. Um, but yeah, um, varsity. Yeah, and um, Gorman is a like a kind of a powerhouse. Um, DTR went there. Um, Demarco Murray. Um, they they put a lot of guys into the well in all sports. Um, in the pros, but yeah, it's um, it's it's a real that whole dynamic is a real. It's a real interesting ecosystem. That's cool. No, I uh, I, yeah. I would love to hear more about him. That that's kind of cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, if you go to that kind of school, then colleges are constantly watching that kind yeah. of school. So hopefully he plays yeah. well this year. Uh, yeah. Okay, so um, 
before we even get into the body of this show, we have a little website out there now, uh, bspnmedia.com. It auto-publishes all of our podcasts, our YouTube videos. Uh, there's even a blog component, so I may do a little bit of writing here and there. Uh, other people may do a little bit of writing here and there if they want. But, uh, but yeah, so check it out. BSPNmedia.com is just a way for us to spread the word about our shows a little bit more. Kind of get into those Google searches when as people looking for podcasts about the 49ers or uh, the Giants or the Warriors. And maybe we'll even get some more uh, local folks who, who want to come on because I am looking for stuff about the A's or the Sharks or... The Quakes, the MLS has a new contract with Apple TV. So I know they started this weekend. So hit me up, gg at bspnmedia.com. Uh, one, one last thing, which is uh, we, uh, we have a new, kind of a new podcast that I started, which is uh, you, have, you have a lot of these, a lot of these news organizations, NPR, uh, I, I believe the New York Times does one where they kind of like do this really like first thing in the morning. Here's like a five to ten minute podcast that podcast that kind of catches you up on, on what's going on. And, you know, we only have three shows a week. So there are four other days in which we don't have shows. And if there is news, all three sports don't are not always going on at the same time. It, you know, that that happens um, around uh, October-ish time frame where all three sports are kind of going. But, um, you know, more often than not, there's two going at once. So I, I published the very first one uh, last week, which was, you know, we had Brock Purdy with his, his elbow swelling news. Uh, we had Andrew Wiggins. Uh, he, he wasn't playing. He, he has some personal time off for the Warriors. And then spring training was just starting for the Giants. So it was kind of cool to... Uh, to, to do that. I think it was like eight minutes long. So there will be more of those shows, probably more along the line of, of once a week. And if there's important stuff, then, then maybe more than once a week. But the idea behind that show is right when you wake up, you load up your podcast feed and there's a show right there for you that's really quick that catches you up on anything you may have missed. So I shout that out. That's also going to be in this feed and also on YouTube for people watching on video. Uh, all, right, all right. Go ahead. No, you were going to say something. No, no. I just said beautiful. That's awesome. Okay. So on the topic, one Brock Purdy and his elbow, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about this yet, but they were supposed to do surgery last week. The elbow had some swelling, so they decided against it, and they postponed the surgery. Now, why is that important? I think it's important because every day he doesn't get the surgery. A, we don't know what the exact surgery is. I know they don't think they're going to need to have the reconstructive surgery, but I don't think they know 100% sure until he goes under the knife. And two... If they keep pushing it out, even the other surgery that he does, that kind of pushes out the time frame of him being able to throw. So what do you think about this? Like the 49ers are trying to play this as if it's fine, no big deal. He'll be ready. He'll be able to throw. And I think I think it's maybe a little bit too positive. And I get why. Like, like you don't, you know, you have this uh, quarterback situation uh, that you that that they've had over the last few years and 
any sort of information about it has seeming is seemingly always negative. So I get why they're trying to be positive here. But what is your take on this situation? I my you know, I for someone who has no baseball talent at all, I was a terrible player. Um, <laughs> I have relatives. My uncle, my uncles were very good baseball players and my nephew. So it's like for me, I like skipped a generation. Um, my uncles were really good players and my nephew is a, a really good baseball player. Um, and in that ecosystem, this injury is real commonplace. Um, and one thing that I know about it from talking to them and people that they know is that the, the notion that in that press conference in Kyle's last, last press conference, when they were, when he was talking about um, the doctors telling him six months guaranteed, he'd be not only rehabbed, but throwing and ready to go that, without having gone into the arm yet, that that was a pipe dream. There's no way of knowing. And, and it has borne out exactly the way those people who have knowledge of this told me it was. That number one, you don't there's there's no way to know when the surgery is going to happen because of things like this with the swelling and all of that. Then two once we get in there, they don't, the doctor and the doctors have said, the surgeons have said just that, that they have no idea, you know, MRI only tells you so much. My uncle was always, was fond of saying when we would go on road trips that the, the map is not the terrain. You just, you just don't know what the MRI says is complete. It can only give you to give the surgeon so much information. He won't know until he actually gets in there and sees what's happening. Yeah. And once that's done, they get him all sewn up and he starts to rehab. We have no idea how he's going to respond to said procedure and treatment. And then lastly, the fear of any thrower is once you're rehabbed and done all of this, the first time you go out there to actually let it rip, what happens? You, 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 there are just so many unknowns and I, I don't, I understand wanting to be positive and not wanting to be, I don't want to be a negative Nancy or negative Nate, whatever, but there's just so many question marks all along the way that I don't, I think it's best. Let's, let's just take, let's be positive that we want the best for Brock. But let's not be trying to put any kind of timetables on this thing because anything that we're saying, it, it it's just a guess. It's yeah. a, it's a guess. So, but even if we say six months, we're now at the point that it's definitely going to be sometime in March at this point before we even what they're saying before we even reconsider scheduling anything. So now we're talking about March, which if we take the light end of it, which is six months, six to nine months, we're already in September, which, so we're talking about Brock hasn't thrown a football and we're talking, we're, we're coming up at this point on week one. So he's going to completely miss training camp. And 
So if even if even if you agree that no matter what Trey does throughout the whole offseason and all of preseason, that somehow you you believe that Brock has done enough previously that it's his job. We I, I don't know. I, it, that just seems that, that that's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I, I, you know, I would, would you really want to like roll him out there week one after not having done any, even if you believe he is the rightful starter, that seems optimistic to think that, you know, he would be out there under center under those circumstances week one, you know, it's just, and then, what if it's nine months? Then we're talking about, you know, September, yeah. October, <clears throat> November. We're talking decent December. Same thing. You know, do we just roll him out there week six with no training camp? And then, you know, so th- there's a there's just a lot there that um I think the best the first thing we need to do is just get this dude healthy. And, you know, see what we've got, see what Trey is doing, and then kind of go from there. Um, it's, it's There's a lot up in the air right now. Just a lot. Here's my ask of 49er fans. Can we agree? Because I've seen a lot of this stuff on there. Oh, Trey, they gave him a shot, and he had two bad games. I'm like, the dude didn't even get to play in the second game. And the first game was in a monsoon. Like, it was, who can who can throw the football in that weather? Justin Fields didn't throw the football in that weather either. So I, what I want from 49er fans is, <clears throat> can we give this guy a fair shake? Can he go through training camp? Can he go through the preseason? Can he go through as QB1 and the majority, or maybe, maybe it's not the majority. Maybe I'm just seeing the crazies. But the people who are already considering him a failure. Like, can we see what he can do with George Kittle? Can we see what he can do with Christian McCaffrey? Like, that's also part of it last year. They didn't have Kittle. And they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, they were with, they didn't have, they hadn't traded for McCaffrey yet. So I would, I would just really like to see, and some of this is is injury luck. Some of this is him, you know, really working his ass off this summer. But let's see what we have with everybody, with what Brock basically fell into, which was a terrific offense when it came to weapons. And this is not an anti-Brock statement. I want the best guy to be QB1, and that's Kyle's Kyle's job. I do not root against Brock Purdy. I do not root against Trey Lance. I want both guys to succeed and may the best QB win. I just hate to see the negativity around Trey because of what the 49ers traded to get him. That was not his fault. He was just sitting there as the the, the third pick in the draft on just about everybody's draft board, and the 49ers went up to get him. He does not have to play equal to three number one draft picks immediately to be not be a failure that that's the part that bothers me about this whole process there are 
several things. And again, I number one, one thing that I moving forward that I learned from the Jimmy Garoppolo time here is that it, it's important for me personally to divorce my feelings about the player because what ended up happening is the Jimmy stands put me in a position where I felt like I was attacking Jimmy, but Jimmy, I don't, when I really go back and think, I don't have anything against Jimmy. Jimmy Garoppolo is who he is. And he hasn't, he, he, he just, and that's just it. He's the player he always was. He never really did anything to um, raise my ire. My issue is with the people who were coming with the Pat Mahomes memes, coming with the Tom Brady memes, those who were trying to shoehorn him into the elite quarterback conversation based solely on the fact of the win-loss record of the team and not his individual performance. Those are the people that I have a problem with. I never had a problem with Jimmy Garoppolo. Fast forward, I'm not going to let those people who are putting these outsized expectations on Brock Purdy to affect my feeling about him as a quarterback. I'm rooting for him, and I like all of the things that I have seen. I have questions about whether or not a guy who profiles like him can be a face of the franchise quarterback one. Yeah. But I don't think that from where he came from, that he has to be that for this to be for him to be successful. I think that what he's done already from his beginnings is magnificent. I mean, if we, if he goes on to be a career QB two from where where they drafted him, that is a, a huge win. I've done a lot of research, which we'll get into as we move along. Because, I mean, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to start doing comparisons until he gets healthy. But guys who profile like him, I mean, it's just – it's a tough ask. Some of the guys who have started more than 100 games who are his size, um, it's an interesting list. Let's just say that. Um, And where he fits on – the spectrum of those guys, it's interesting. The the part that I'm more, as I work through that, there's some older guys like Jim Hart and Dave Craig and mm. that type of player that I don't have a real grasp on talent-wise where they fit um, in as a related to their peers. You're going back late seventies, early eighties. I like right. it. So again, like guys like Russell Wilson or Michael Vick or Kyler Murray, I have a very good feeling of where Brock Purdy fits talent wise. as it relates to those guys, those other guys, I don't know. 
another one, another interesting one is like Mike Tomczak. You know, Mike Tomczak like started like over a hundred games in the league, which is crazy. He was Jim McMahon's backup as yeah. far as I was concerned. Yeah. But he put he played a lot of games. Um so and they, know, so, they were generally fine with him playing because McMahon was hurt a lot because yeah. he had such a good team. <laughs> right. And so again, they're there it's it's interesting. Um, so it, it's gonna be and then let's go to Trey. Like like you talked about, it's interesting that people want to hold um where he was drafted against him. And I mean, I, that's clearly not fair. But what's also not fair is trying to project or predict the type of player he's going to be after four NFL starts. I was here for the Alex Smith. I I, I saw every game <laughs> Alex played here. And let me tell you, four games in, Alex Smith had a hard time getting his team in and out of the huddle. Alex Smith couldn't he would four games in he could not play under center yeah that was just not what he did in college exactly and then you can go down the list i did a post about this and maybe i'll revisit this as we go forward guys like steve young troy aikman um peyton manning the list goes on and there are a lot of players who did a lot of great things in this league if you look at their stats after four games, they weren't as good as what Trey's numbers are. It's 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 but it's just it's such a small sample size. And strangely, even somebody who I never agree with, Greg Cosell, said <laughs> the same thing about Brock. Eight games is it's too small of a sample size to make any kind of you know broad predictions. Either way, about what kind of player he's going to be. It's just too soon for either of them. So I know that's not fun, but that's not fun because that's not what we do on social media. Well, Being you know, rational and saying, yeah. well, let's just wait and see. The, the it's, thing, not, it's not fun. It's the not thing fun. that you're saying about Brock is 100% sure. You're 100% right, except fans look at QB as the star of the team. And that, that's really how the NFL works, face of the organization, like you said. And they de- the 49er fans desperately want that player. They wanted Jimmy to be that player. And it turned out that Jimmy was not that player. He was, you know, he was a, a serviceable guy. He was a, an average to above average guy at, at, uh, and above average in certain in certain times mm-hmm. as well. But he's he wasn't going to be the guy to take you to the promised land. Like I think we we've seen we saw enough of it playoffs and everything that that just was not the case. So so fans desperately want Brock to be that guy. They want him to be. Oh, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers has been Green Bay Packers quarterback for all of these years. We want that stability. We don't want to have to worry about that role because the 49ers have had to worry about that role so much. We remember the good two good Alex Smith seasons, but there were like four or five before that where he was getting hurt. Coaches were, were killing him. He was kind of killing coaches back. And so we only had those two Alex Smith seasons and the two Kaepernick seasons. 
And those are really it as far as stability. And it was a short time span. And then since cap, it's been, you know, up and down and, and Jimmy was kind of there. So I get the wanting to anoint him because you're just trying to say like, please, let's just have a guy here. I am just not ready to say Brock is the guy and Trey isn't. Kyle may may realize that, and then they'll have to figure out what to do with Trey. But until they figure that out, I am very much up for this, this quarterback uh, competition, which should make both players even better having to compete for their spots because there's, a, there's an urgency there. There's, uh, there's an expectation there. Um, you know, it, it, we, we've been <laughs> privy to the greatest quarterback competition in the history of the NFL with Joe Montana and Steve Young. So this, this area knows all about that. It's not, it's not going to be that they, they won't allow it to be that. Uh, and, and neither guy is of that stature probably will never get to that stature. Cause if they, if they do, then they're one of the top 10 quarterbacks of all time. So I just would like 49er fans to just, you know, pull back a little bit because it's like what you said, if we set Brock up to fail and he doesn't, he's not this 10 year starting quarterback, then it almost looks like he's a failure when in reality he has already succeeded based on his expectation. And that is what I, that you, you, you perfectly, that that's my concern is that we are setting this kid up to fail, not only setting him up to fail, but what I would hate to happen is for him to feel, and, and, and it's probably, there's probably no way that he doesn't feel pressure to get back out there as soon as possible to continue the momentum that he has already built. But he's 23 years old, and I see him. And again, I know there are a lot of us that disagree. Everybody, they want to make him, like you had said, they want to make these comparisons to Drew Brees and Kurt Warner. I don't see that in this dude. Or Joe Montana, which is ridiculous to compare anybody to Joe Montana. Joe Joe Burrow is a very good young quarterback, but ain't nobody. <laughs> to, to paraphrase, to paraphrase um, Bill Belichick, with with a lot of due respect, a lot of respect to a lot of great players. We're talking about Lawrence Taylor. We're talking about Joe Montana. There's you know there's Joe Montana, and then <laughs> drop off yeah. a lot of other good players. So it's not that when I look at Brock Purdy, I see Case Keenum, Colt McCoy, which if if, if he had that career coming from 262, that's a great career and it's a great draft pick. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but I, I, like you said, people want a 10 year all pro yeah. player. But what I'm saying is, I, I, number one, don't want to set him up to, to fail that if he is not a top of the top 10 quarterback, that somehow he is a failure. Yeah. Number two, I would hate for him to be trying to rush back <laughs> to get, you know, to to capitalize on that momentum and not be able to, you know, not to fulfill whatever maybe his career path and trajectory might have been if 
you know, maybe we're in a situation here where the reconstruction is what was warranted, but he opted for something less than that because he wanted to get back out there faster to capitalize on that momentum. And then he finds himself three, five years from now still dealing with the aftermath of this injury because of a short-term decision that was made, um, you know, where a decision that was made for his, you know, that benefited him in the short term when we should have been thinking long-term. I know the team normally is the one who is pushing for short-term, short-term solutions. Um, And sometimes the players are too. I just hope that everybody in this situation has his best interests long-term at heart right now. That's what I hope. But, you know, that's... The NFL, man, it's not often the case. you out. It's not often the case. By the so, way, for, for for the video folks, is that Jam Master J behind you? Um, yeah, I'm in my my brother's recording studio. That's tight. I love yeah. it. And is it, I, I can't see the one to your left or to to my left to to your right. Um, Dr. Dre. Okay, I, I thought it. I, I see about a quarter of his face. I was like, it kind of mm. looks like Dre, but I'm not sure. Yep. Those are great. I, I need yeah. to get some of those for my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so um, we had talked about the idea of a third bringing in a third guy and there you know there are these guys you know the Nate Sudfelds of the world the little Nickies of the world who Kyle seems to uh, really enjoy coaching there's a possibility of them trying to find whoever the new Brock is in in the draft this upcoming season I've heard Jacoby Brissett's name bandied about. Uh, we we talked about uh, Andy Dalton, the, I think, the last time. But are you still on the idea that if they bring in a guy, it's not going to be a name guy? I just, I think for a lot of reasons, no. And number one, and I think we touched on this the last time, and, and I just feel even more strongly that number one, as Kyle, I just don't think they're going to spend the amount of money that it would cost to bring in a top in QB two slash QB bridge kind of starter kind of guy like an Andy Dalton, or I don't know where you figure Jacoby Percet is in that whole mix. I, I don't know. Um, and then, you know, people are talking about guys like, you know, Derek Carr and that, you know, that's, just, <laughs> no, I don't that's ridiculous. So. Those guys are just, those are, it's just a, even a Jimmy Garoppolo returning. Those guys are just going to make way too much money. Kyle, had, uh, I think Kyle already told us his thoughts on that one. Yeah. And, you know, so I think we're going to, and then the other side of it, I think, as we hit on before, what would those guys why would they, what would their interest be in coming into a situation that it clearly seems that if both of these guys are healthy, which again, with Brock is a legitimate question, but if that were the case, they are clearly the 49ers choice of being one and two. So at that point, barring injury or just horrible performance, you are at 
best QB2. You're not even being considered as a starter because they want either one of those guys to grab the reins and you would believe would be given, those guys would be every be given every opportunity to be QB one. And then whoever is not QB one out of that would, you know, you would figure would be QB two. Um, so then you're, you know, which if you are Nate Sudfeld or little Nikki or CJ, maybe being QB two, QB three, QB two flash QB three is fine. But I mean, if I'm not Andy Dalton, I know I can go somewhere and be QB two. And if things fall right, maybe I can, you know, be a starter. Um, so why would I take that opportunity is, is, you know, and then I just don't think the 49ers are going to pony up. I think whoever we get, I, it, I would be shocked if whoever they sign as a veteran makes more than $3 million. It would, it would shock me. I would think they would be more in the $1 million, $2 million range, which fits nicely with what CJ, Lil Nicky, and Suddy have made over the past two or three years. And also, I've thought a lot about this. I cannot imagine a scenario that – I'm not saying we won't draft somebody because we probably will – I can't imagine that that guy would be QB two, or Q, you know, I, I can't imagine us being in a, in a put in a position where that young guy is, you know, one snap away from being the guy. Right. It would ha- I would think that it would have you know for that guy to get on the field, it would have to be like a Brock scenario again, yeah. where the starter goes down, then the backup goes down, and then. You know, that guy, I, I, and even then, I don't, I would think that that rookie guy would be more of a practice squatter than it. I, I just don't see, I don't think we, we're going to be in a position again where Josh, John, you know, you know, that happens Whew. to us again. I mean, yeah, it, it would, it would have to be, yeah, I, I, I just don't think that that's going to be the case. I think the only way they can bring a vet in is if there is some sort of agreement that if he if he is not QB2 coming out of camp then the Niners are going to trade him or they're going to cut him before camp is over so so that he gets another shot uh because I can't imagine someone like Dalton comes in and is like I'm just here to compete understanding what Shanahan is all about though if you look at quarterback injuries for this team over the last couple of years, there is some there there is some chance that QB two is going to play a lot for this team. I don't know why it seems fluky. Who knows exactly why? Because you can you can go oh you know Brock needs to get a little stronger so that he can take that kind of hit. But you look at Trey Trey's pretty darn strong and he just got hurt in a different way and so you know shanahan is going to utilize the qb and expect the qb to make smart decisions and stay out of out of out of getting hurt you know the way that jimmy went down like jimmy doesn't you know jimmy usually gets the ball out and and throws it away for that reason so he doesn't get in those situations and just 
happened to be it. So if you're Andy Dalton, you're like, eh, as long as I'm QB2, I'll be fine and I'll play because QB1's getting hurt. Like if you go in with that mentality, I could see it, but I just don't sense that he's going to be QB2 unless something really bad happens with either Brock or or Lance because we, we have to also remember Lance is coming off of a major, major injury himself. So you got two guys going into camp, both coming off of injuries. And then, so maybe that could be a little attractive to someone like Dalton. Who's like, yeah, like these guys aren't going to be ready. Like I'll just come in here and, 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 you know, and, and play, play better and, and snag it. I don't know. I don't know if he would think that way. The thing to me would be that, you know, Fingers crossed that even in under the worst case scenario, you figure Brock is going to be healthy at some point. Then when he's ready to play, who knows? But I just don't think as if I if 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 somebody like Andy Dalton is the example we're using, if he's my client, I can't in good conscience, sign himself up for a scenario where at some point in the season, if everything goes according to plan, you're going, let's say, even if it's in November or December, that you find yourself in a position in November that you're catching inactives and you're just, you know, you're just sitting on the bench, kind of like, you know, it's a different position, obviously, but kind of like the, it was with Jeff Wilson. There was a clear path that once Christian McCaffrey was here, there was going to be a time that when Eli Mitchell came back, you just you were going to be inactive. You are not going to you're not going to be on the roster. Yeah. Weekly, which as a free agent just does, is not as you know, it's not where you want to be as a player. You don't want, even if the Niners had been willing to do it, which I didn't believe they were, you don't want to be their, you know, breaking case of glass guy. I yeah. mean, that, you know, th- what does that do for you? I mean, okay, you get paid, but you want to, I mean, I just believe at a certain, those guys want to play. I'm not saying that. Nick Mullins doesn't want to play. I'm not saying that CJ Beathard doesn't want to play, but I think they understand the reality of their situation in a way that if Andy Dalton, if, even if he is, let's say the worst case scenario for him is that he ended up at the beginning of the season, not on a roster. I don't think there's any way in the world that he goes 17 weeks without a job. I mean, because, you know, injuries happen. And if an injury happened, he would be, you know, the, everybody's first phone call. It would, it would, they would love that you would love to have, you know, hell, we know when an injury would happen, you would love to have a, a player of Andy Dalton's quality to be available because that just simply doesn't happen. You don't, we see, you know, if your quarterback gets injured in, December, we we see what kind of player is available to be had in those circumstances, and is not anybody anywhere near the quality of somebody like Andy Dalton. So, it's, um, you think you think you think uh, Blaine Gabbert wants to play? I think he I think he wants I think he I, wants to get a you check. You know, I I think 
it's going to be interesting because they're everybody. But again, <laughs> at this time of year, everybody, you know, Sam Howe is, you know, Washington is comfortable with Sam Howe playing. Yeah. Tampa Bay is comfortable with Kyle Trask playing. And you, you just don't know. I, I don't know. Uh, what you see, you're going to see a lot in the draft this year is a lot of people believing that they are going to find the next Brock Purdy. And I think what you're seeing with a lot of teams is they're thinking that maybe they've got the next Geno Smith on there. Well, he's our backup and he's going to be able to, play. I don't know. Maybe. I just think a lot of these dudes that once football starts to happen and we get closer to football, Sam Howe, really? Is, <laughs> are, we, are we really ready to sign up for 17 games of Sam Howe? Are we really ready to sign up for 17 games of Kyle Trask? I don't know. I think guys like Jimmy Garoppolo are going to start to look, look really good. because Jimmy warts and all there aren't again there if there if there are nine jobs open there aren't nine quarterbacks better than jimmy garoppolo Mm -mm. it's just they just aren't Mm -mm. (laughs) they they there aren't um warts and all i mean because while i don't like to ascribe um i i don't think you can define jimmy by 40 and blah 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 there is something to the fact that he was able to not get in the way 40 times and lead these teams to, you know, to be under center when these teams were winning all these games. Yep. I, you know, I, I don't know all giving him credit for all of it, I think is foolhardy, but to say that there's something to the fact that he's able not to get in the way enough, um, to let those wins happen, there's something to that too. So if I'm a team like, for me, if I'm a team like the Jets, if I can't get Aaron Rodgers, uh, I mean, and I don't, you know, and it's kind of tricky now that you don't have to give up anything for Derek Carr. Maybe, pick your poison. Do you think Derek Carr is better than Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't know. Maybe you want him, but Jimmy to me is not the worst option in the world. If you, you know, if in you a particular got- offense, if you need a guy who throws the ball a lot, Derek Carr's probably your choice. If you need a guy who's going to game manage and who's going to sort of run the plan, I think you go with Jimmy. Like the, the one thing about Jimmy that, that I found very interesting. So a lot of these guys, QB analytics and metrics and these different stats that that people use to evaluate quarterbacks. There's a an article in the Athletic, Dave Lombardi and Matt Barrows, uh, where they talk about the QB scenario, and they looked at all three quarterbacks who played last year, and by these really granular QB analytics, Jimmy Garoppolo played slightly better than Brock Purdy did. A lot of that had to do with he just didn't throw very many interceptions, but like, so if you look at it, cause what we were saying earlier is Brock Purdy gets like, he, he couldn't have fallen into a better scenario right now. He had to play. He could have been mm-hmm. nervous. He could have, the moment could have been too big for him, but that, that didn't happen. So thankfully he was able to come in and play well, but most quarterbacks 
in his situation where you're down to your third guy, they're not good situations. So Brock Purdy playing with the New York Jets or the Jets were actually halfway decent for a lot of the year, you know, but for uh, Arizona Cardinals, right? You throw him in that situation and maybe those numbers don't look quite as good as does the win loss record. So that's one thing that, because you've been saying this pretty much since Brock took over, which is, you know, like let, let's have realistic expectations. And when I saw those numbers and it was like, Jimmy and Brock were pretty much equals on on the playing field. I think for us, the eye test was Brock just did certain things that we don't like about Jimmy mm-hmm. a lot better than Jimmy, yeah. like escaping the pass rush, pass mm-hmm. rush, turning something, uh, getting something out of nothing, you know, throwing into the end zone and and being kind of courageous about throwing into the end zone. Those are things that he did well, but at the same time. When, when you're looking at, at, at the value of what they did, that they weren't too different. Brock to had be, a much better team to play with offensively than Jimmy did at the beginning of the season. And, and to be fair, um, to be completely fair, Jimmy was playing some of his best football when he got hurt. I mean, yeah. he that so those numbers don't really surprise me because he was playing really good football. And that's another thing that we need to bear in mind is that, you know, Coming from with his pedigree, what Brock did was very, very impressive. But we won 13 straight. Jimmy was on a heater as well. So it wasn't like Brock came in and everything just kind of opened up. Jimmy won, you know, I believe it was four and a half of those games as well. So, I mean, we were playing well. Yeah. Um, Prior to Brock, and as and I don't want to, I don't want to diminish what he did. But when we talk about the catalyst of that winning streak, I still believe that it was um, Christian McCaffrey yeah. that was the one who. It was his addition to the offense because, again, like I say, Jimmy was playing really good football um, up until his injury. So again. Um, I, I want to give him his flowers. I guess overall, that was the one the thing I want to say is Jimmy was playing really good football at the time that he got hurt, and Brock just came in and um, kept things going. And like you said, showed us some things that we didn't see from Jimmy in terms of challenging the ball down three, keep keep challenging the you know throwing it downfield, um, particularly to Kittle, and keeping plays alive and kind of helping out his offensive line. All right. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about QBs. Uh, I, I, I'm happy to do so because that is uh, the big thing on the minds of Fort Anders fan. But in the last 15 minutes or so, I do want to hit two other topics and we can hit them fairly quickly here. Um, I wanted to look at the free agency uh, for the 49ers. Now there are, are a few restricted free agents uh, near the bottom, as as you can see, uh, Juwan Jennings. What what did what did ERFA stand for when we we, we tried we looked at this the last time? I it's an exclusive exclusive rights free agent. Okay, that's what it was. So those guys, if the 49ers want them back, are more than right. likely going to be back. Looking at this list really quickly, and and for uh, audio folks, 
this is a list of all of the 49ers free agents and uh, sorted by their 2022 uh, year uh, salary. At the top of this list uh, as a free agent is Jimmy Ward. He made almost $10 million last year. Garoppolo's at seven. We've already said that he's not going to be back. Uh, Samson Ebukam is at six. Emmanuel Mosley is uh, just under five. McGlinchey is also uh, 4.5. Uh, is, Al Shair is uh, just under four. Robbie Gould probably going to do the whole let's bring him back for one year again kind of deal. So that is a, a, a good chunk of people who played a lot of football for the 49ers there. To Sean Gibson, who was tremendous he is going to be worth more than that $1.1 million that he made last year. Who stands out on this list as we really, really need to do whatever it takes to bring this guy back? You know what? It, it's um, To me, I, I know he is a polarizing dude, but I just don't see how we replace Mac. I don't see how we replace McGlinchey. Um with, I mean, you look at the guys that we have on the roster, you know, it's um, more McKivitz and I don't know how to spell, say my man's name, Z, Z-Man. Um, more, he just, he just can't seem to get out of his way. Yeah. Z, Z-Man really hasn't played. And, um, while in the tape that he's put out there, McKivitz is a much better pass blocker than Mac. He's nowhere near the run blocker. Yep. So based on the fact that we are a run first team, I don't think that that makes much sense. And then when you look at where Mac lines up league wide, he, he profiles as like the 25th best tackle in the league um and i don't think we're going to sign anybody above him on the list for less money so then then the whole drafting his replacement at 99 or (laughs) yeah we'll get to that or or um further is is problematic at best so that would be i would try to do everything i could to re-sign him at something <laughs> as I don't, I, I just don't think I, that said, I don't know how close to market value we can even get um, within the con the confines of our salary cap with all the other um, moves that we have to make. First of all, being just based on the way we have always um, allocated cap resources, defensive line has always been the top priority. And we've got, of course, Nick. Um, but then we've got, you know, guys like Ebucam. And um, we, we've got a lot of um, holes to, to fill there. So... That being said, I just don't – I would prioritize Matt, but I just – you know, that being said, I just don't know how we would be able to do it. The one that's 
the most intrigued because I, I agree with you with McGlinchey. I mean, they're gonna probably have to pay him three X what he currently makes, maybe a little bit less than three X. Yeah. Uh, and that that'll be a tough pill for 49er fans to swallow. Yeah. I mean, saying what you just said, if they could get him at 15 million dollars, I sign I I if he's a if he's willing to take that, I sign that on the first day of free agency. Yeah. Because his market value is saying that it's 16 to 18 million dollars, which at 18 I just don't I don't see how they do it. Yeah. Um I think if you could get if he's willing to take 15 I think you bite the bullet and because you're not going to get a player better than him at that number anywhere else. You, you're yeah. just not. So who as it, the guy that I have my eyes on is Jimmy Ward because they took away a little bit of his value in the open market by putting him in the slot. And I imagine there are teams who are going to look at him as not being put in the slot. If you could, would you rather them pay Gibson more money or just bring Ward back and let Gibson go? Like, what would be the play there for you? Well, here's the thing um, based on Spot Track, they're saying that in the open market, Jimmy Ward's value, when you look at other comparable players, he's right around $7 million. Which, number one, I would imagine that he's looking to go back to safety. I I don't think that you're going to be able to um, have him negotiate against himself and, you know, trying to slot him as a slot corner. Because, as he has said, the only reason he plays slot is because Kyle told him he wanted to play. (laughs) (laughs) That was where... That's where he had snaps for him. Yeah. Is that, you know, he basically said that Gibson is taking your job. And so <laughs> if you want to play, you know, you're going to play in a slot. So I don't think that is going to be an option. And I think to Sean Gibson, it, you know, he made a million dollars last year. I think that a, a, a two X or two and a half X bump for him. If you if the 49ers pay him three million, I think he's happy. Yeah. With it. That'll be interesting. Dollar, with a three million dollar salary to be the starting safety. So you're not going to whatever you're going to do. Jimmy Ward is not I I don't just don't see it in the cards for him yeah. here as a starting safety because I don't think I think there will be deals out there for him. Um, even if spot track is wrong and, it, and the number isn't seven million, it's not going to be two and a half or three. Yeah, I, I, just, I just don't see that in the cards for him. So, um, I as much as I love Jimmy and would love to have him back, I just don't see where that happens because I think it's much more likely that our slot is on the roster, be it somebody like Womack or Thomas or Knight, who was a, you know, was on the practice squad. Even if if we're saying that Demo is the two, I don't know. Is, is, is Thomas back in the mix? Mm Because I don't, I really still don't know 
what went on with him because it seemed like at the end of the previous season that, you know, Thomas was the heir apparent to that two spot, you know, because, you know, because of the way he had played and then, you know, obviously E-Man came back and took that job. And then my man just kind of fell off a cliff. It seemed like kind of in a similar way to the way Demo's season had ended the previous season where he was the one getting the reps and then he just kind of disappeared. That's what kind of happened with Thomas. So I, you know, I don't know, but our history says that we don't really spend a whole lot of, <laughs> lot of money on that, on those positions where we were, when we have guys that we have invested draft capital in sitting on the roster it it seems like they we want to give them every opportunity to take those jobs um rather than spending big money on free agents if we just look back to last season and what happened with tomlinson and key and um dj jones those those roster spots were filled with guys who were on the roster already um so it's going to be interesting to see how free agency shakes out. But then you can always also, if you want to push back on me, you can point to the that big money signing. A Mooney was not really, it was kind of out of character. But then if you go back, you look at it, it you know, you could point to the Richard Sherman, Sherman mm-hmm. signing as um, a precedent there. So, while I'm someone who, you know, and I've had people in these forums push back on me about how nothing, um, there's, you know, is nothing as a precedent. If if it's never just the the, the fact that it's never happened before doesn't 100% guarantee that it won't happen you know, in the future, mm-hmm. but just the way my mind works is I'm always looking for comps and, you know, playing the percentages more so than saying, well, anything could happen. Well, you're right. 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 Anything yeah. could happen, but that's not analysis. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I would much rather look at what the precedents have been and that I spend a lot of time looking at, how our cap breaks down. Where do we normally spend money? Um, how do we allocate our resources? Where do we re- allocate our resources to m- try to determine what I believe is probable to happen? Does that mean that that's what's going to happen? Of course not. Um, but I think just the way my mind works, that is how when I fill out my little cap sheet, which I know doesn't mean anything because I'm not the GM, you know, John Lynch's cap sheet is the one that makes... Yeah, but, but when you do that exercise, you sort of understand how hard it is and you understand where, you know, if they have to make a hard decision, as a fan, you're like, yeah, get it, because I, I was looking at it, right? Yeah, I mean, so when, you, but when people say, hey, let's sign Jalen Ramsey, or trade for Jalen Ramsey. I mean, okay, but I I just went through this exercise specifically. <laughs> we have never spent 
more than 17% of our cap in the secondary. That's all players locked in. We are sitting right now at 12% of the cap. If you add Jalen Ramsey, that pushes us up to 20%. You know, I guess could and doing that, we still don't have a starting safety. Yeah. So, I mean, I and you're going to have to trade for him with the Rams. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess that could happen. Yeah. Um, but it just it seems highly unlikely that Jalen Ramsey is the answer at corner because we've never paid two players top of the market in this regime. We've never done it. So, I mean, could it happen? I guess. It just seems highly unlikely. So, it, so when you talk about doing these thought exercises, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, with it. I'm absolutely. Not, you know, of course, of course it could. It, when you say it could happen, we could trade for Lamar Jackson. I mean, <laughs> I guess the, theoretically that could happen. Four for 260, baby. It just it seems <laughs> me and Lamar Jackson and Nick Bosa in the same offseason seems <laughs> like a flight of fancy. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Before we get out of here, I just wanted to quickly because because this is going to be also we'll we'll come back to the free agency thing probably even the next time we record because there's more names on that list I want to talk about. But we and I have not really followed the draft all that closely in the last few years. A because the 49ers have been pretty good, you know, for the last three or four years, so they never you know out uh, outside of the tray thing, you know, there was a you know we who knows who they're going to draft, but because we do this show, I'm definitely going to do more of my homework just off the top of your head. They have three third round picks, three, five round picks, three seventh round picks and a six. What do you think is going to, what position do you think is their main focus in trying to find players out of this year's draft? I believe, because again, this is some place where I'm spending quite a bit of my time right now with analysis, and I'll have numbers for you guys shortly. But let me tell you what I what one thing I'll, I'll I'm going to start here. Players drafted right now. I've done defensive line and offensive line because I think that those are the places that we need to focus. Players taken. 100 or later, who the metric that I use is 500 snaps, which I, I, my methodology was thinking, okay, a starter starts a thousand snaps is what a starter plays. You figure a guy takes over halfway through the season as a rookie, 500 snaps. That's what my benchmark was. Um, 60. A grade, a PFF grade of 60 is replacement level player. Just an average guy is a grade of 60. How many players in the past two drafts that were drafted after 100 who played 500 snaps at a grade level of 60 at defensive line and offensive line? If you had to guess, what is the percentage of players who have met those both those benchmarks in the past two seasons. 
Wow. Uh, 10? Lower. Wow, lower than 10. 6% of players have drafted 100 or later, have played 500 snaps with a grade of 6. That's a big ass. So my point is asking, and again, we've got an example we we drafted um Burford in the yeah. fifth round last year and he started and we saw what kind of roller coaster that is. So my yeah. point is thinking that you're gonna go in and draft somebody at a hundred or later and get like max replacement. That's a tough ask, man. It's a tough ask for a rookie to come in and play immediately. It's it's just a lot. Um so that being said. I would think that we are going to we you know our, our history says as Rick says our our history says that we're going to be looking hard at defensive line there because yeah. we we've done an excellent job you know again going back we don't we don't spend money <laughs> signing high profile defensive lineman. We just don't do that. Yeah. Our and, and what's interesting in in my research is that this seems to be an organizational thing because it goes beyond this regime. Even going back to previous regimes with Tom Sula as the defensive line coach and now we've got um Chris Surik who does the same thing. We draft and we sign undervalued defensive linemen, and we asked Tom Sula previously and um, Chris, Coach Chris now to get the most out of these assets, develop them, and then we let other people pay them. That, just, <laughs> that seems to be like an organizational principle yeah. rather than just a John Lynch thing. So to answer your question, I would think, that those first two play um places those those first three picks especially um you should be able to get one or two if not three defensive lines because it gets it gets tricky because I don't know at that point are you really drafting you shouldn't be I don't think you should be drafting for needs you should be trying to look at who's the best player that you can get there and if that kind of dovetails if the best player there or right there in that batch of players is some play, some play, somebody that you need. If, if it fills a need, I think you do it. But if, you know, when you get to a hundred and clearly the best player on your board is a, I don't know, wide receiver. I, I, I think you should pride or I think, you should prioritize getting the best player yeah. available as opposed to just taking the best player at a need position, unless it's close. If it's close, you take the need position. But if this guy is far, if your far and away best player is at a position where, you know, you feel like you're, you're good because that is a tricky thing. I mean, Cause you're good. You're only good until you're not. <laughs> you're only well, you to, know. to your point. You know there there are young players who the Niners have kept in the system who should 
theoretically uh, be better that in, in, and help uh, in those positions, right? Like Drake Jackson is not a tackle, but right. he should be better this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they invested in him and he even played a lot uh, in the, in the beginning of the season. And then Kyle just told us that, uh, yeah, he got too small and he wasn't strong enough. Which, and which that's is a long season. Which is something that I can, you know, not at that level. And that's something my brother had a hard time. He always had a hard time keeping on weight Yeah. Um, throughout a season. He couldn't eat enough to maintain his weight. And you think when you look about, when you look, expand and look out at Drake Jackson, their season was 20 weeks, which is double a college season. So you just can't tell me that it was his fault that he was not prepared for what, because I mean, I believe, you know, I just don't think that going into that season that any people can tell you what it's going to be like, but until you experience what 20 weeks of football is, I just don't think you can grasp what it is to prepare for that kind of attrition. You know, so I think going into this off season, he'll have a much better idea of what it is he needs to do to be ready to play all that football. Um, The, the, The other thing to your point, Banks coming into his third year, uh, Burford going into his second year again, got you know, Banks. He wasn't a rookie last season, but he had never played a snap, yeah. So, I mean, you you can pick up certain things, I believe you can probably pick up through osmosis, but again, it's got to be a different deal, yeah, when you're asked to play 1200 snaps. Um, so again, I would expect a bump from both of the and then Burford. I mean, he went from college to playing you know a significant amount of snaps and what we saw with him is that he is clearly talented enough yep. Yep. to play in the NFL it's just he was wildly inconsistent and i think you just have to chalk that up to inexperience yeah so and they they coached him they didn't just let him go out there and fail they started they started uh, alternating and but probably on the sidelines, I'm sure he was studying a lot of the stuff that they were seeing that, you know, that was the issue. So yeah, they coached him hard during the season. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we, we left a little bit of meat on the bone. We'll be able to come back to this uh, in the next show. Um, and, uh, and talk a little bit more about the free agency stuff too. But uh, I think one moment before we go, I think Rick made, he made a point about players like DJ Jones Mm -hmm. guys. When you guys are doing, I'm seeing a lot of mock drafts and that's wonderful. That PFF mock draft thing is awesome, but dig a little deeper. Um, We don't want this. I I don't number one, I'm going to get on my soapbox for just a minute. I'm going to get out of here. I know we're going way long, but my drafts are dumb. To me, especially, <laughs> especially when you're the talking grades about, the next day, <laughs> you're talking, about, especially when you're talking about, I think they're, I think they're kind of dumb, even when you're talking at the top of the draft, but yeah. when you're talking about pick 100, get out of here. What you're talking about is you have doped out all the other teams, picks your Intel that you and got all from, of our yeah. picks yeah. that this guy 
at 100 is going to be our guy. Look, man, when we look at the ratings and you say at 100, based on, you know, all of these various sites and whatnot, these are the players that are likely to be available at 100. Then when you cross-reference that with our needs, and then if you cross-reference that with the type of players that profile to us, like kind of Rick said with DJ Jones, who's a DJ Jones type player who might be available at 100? These are the guys that kind of profile to who we kind of like to play. And I, I know that's a lot. It's a lot to do, but that's where I'm at with it. it I, I don't, PFF says this guy is the 100th rated <laughs> defensive tackle. What system did he play? And does he even, does he even fit what we do? Because not all players do. So just, you know, kind of take a look at that, guys. I'm just saying, if it's, if it's, if the offensive tackle that they are projecting here played in an air raid system where he was dropping back 70, 80 times, 70, 70 times a game and never drove block once, he probably didn't fit what we do as a right tackle. I'm just saying. Just kind of give that some consideration. Off soapbox. Okay. But – we're, we're going to come back to this. There's going to be a lot of pre-draft things. I Absolutely. Think. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Perfect. That was great. It was great to be back. Uh, I, the, the two, I was a little bit worried about the two-week cadence because it's uh, whenever you get out of that one-week rhythm, sometimes you're like, ah, you know, a little bit. I'm not, you know, this doesn't feel the same, but I think we, we picked right back up. With the with the rest of the season, so that was great. And as you see, we're gonna we'll we'll we will find stuff to talk about. I don't think we're Absolutely. gonna have time filling the hour. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if anybody needs to shoot me an email, bs uh, gg at bspnmedia.com. Check out the website bspnmedia.com, and yeah, check out the uh, the be on the lookout for the new show if you haven't already heard. And it. I'm gonna really start hounding you guys in our especially and we want winners to get into this discourse because you know there's not a whole lot going on now but i would really love that to become as active yes um as we move for you know as we get to free agency as we get to the draft i would love for the discourse to be as active and lively as our group um you can uh, if you want to join the discord just go to the bspn Twitter account, uh, the pinned post in uh, in that Twitter account uh, has a link for the Discord invite, and that link does not expire, so you can just click that and join. And really, what Rod, you know, saying that it's really where we want to get all the conversation going because I'm not giving Facebook any more money. I'm going to figure out how to get my account completely wiped, which will probably wipe out all of my groups and pages, unfortunately, but. Uh, I just don't want them to keep making money off of uh, my stuff uh, if they're not going to let me back on for no reason whatsoever because they still mm-hmm. haven't told me. But uh, but yeah, Discord, I, I, it may be a little scary, but it is super fun. I've sort of learned it with another community that I had. Uh, so when I start doing the recruiting and when, when I start building stuff for the Discord, uh, it, it'll be it'll be good stuff. We'll, we'll, it'll there be are 
there are lots of things we can do with it that are really, Mm -hmm. really fun. So, all right. Uh, For Rod, I'm Double G. We'll be back in a couple weeks. See you when we see you. Peace.